Welcome all to a uh, Scouse's House special podcast. We've got a Champions League special tonight. Uh, we thought it'd be great. Yeah, exactly. A little. Morning, yeah. guys. Get on. Get in. So we thought it'd be really nice uh, with uh, one of the largest matches in the world and how it affects the world be brought down to a local level. We've got a huge uh, Liverpool supporters community here. And around me, I've got uh, eight guys sitting at the table with different views and backgrounds and all the stuff. So we're going to break this down both from what it means to Louisville, but also how it breaks down from kind of an analysis from a, a number of different standpoints of the game, with personalities, the tactics, and all those things involved. So this is Kenny Alward. I'm your host tonight for this. Like I said, it's a Champions League special. I do have to my right. He'll introduce himself later. But our normal host for all podcasts, all Scouse House, is Evan Floyd. I took the, the head on this one since I'm a Liverpool supporter. And Thank I God. Was, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, who do you support? Uh, I support Louisville City FC, Kenny. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of international soccer, I am a very, very sad Arsenal fan. And uh, I'll just fade quietly into the background while you guys enjoy the riches of Liverpool's great season. And we do appreciate that. And that shows you how big of a team player. You see that today? Sorry. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think that, I think that'll be a pretty I think that'll be pretty useful. Uh, it's not who I'm looking forward to hoping to sign this summer, but we'll see. It'll be good in the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that you think we'll make it out of the group stage of the Europa League. <laughs> and the banner's already started. And this is why I love this this group of people here. So we're just gonna do a little roundtable thing. So uh, like I said, Kenny Howard, I'm host tonight. I do uh, the nerdy stuff for Scouse's House. I've been a Liverpool supporter since '98 actually playing on FIFA um, and I just really like their style of play and then I thought I can get behind this team and then um, so I've watched them religiously probably way too much I've wasted a lot of brain cells on it um, my wife and I were able to make a trip in 2010 and see Liverpool play Bolton and pick up a win Dirk Kaut scored on that night we got set in the cop end uh, some from my good friends from Ireland, uh, their family actually met us down in Dublin, drove their tickets down from Belfast, and we flew over and went to the match. So uh, when we sang, you'll never walk alone, standing in the cop, the hairs on my arm stood up. Um, so my wife couldn't be here tonight, but she's a huge Liverpool supporter as well. When Luis Garcia left, she cried. So off to my left. Hi, my name is Shepard Vale, and I'm the uh, assistant soccer coach at St. Francis High School. Um, I've been a Liverpool supporter since 2005. Steven Gerrard's play in the midfield just won me over. So that's a little bit about myself. Um. Austin Buchanan. Um, I do a lot of analytic type stuff on a Twitter account called at Tracking Forward. I became a Liverpool supporter when I was a smallish left-footed forward and thought I had no hope and then I was given a tape of the 2000 and yeah a VCR tape of the 2001 UEFA Cup and there was this gentleman by the name of Michael Owen who just lit the absolute world on fire and it gave me hope turns out I should not have had said hope but the, it's been stuck in my blood since then. Alright my name's Chaz Krish. Uh, I've played soccer football all my life um never was huge into professional ball until uh until college uh love to watch champions league games when i should have been in class uh picked up liverpool and that was probably 2008 or so uh 2009 was when i decided yeah that's definitely when i want to follow liverpool even though 
we crashed out of the Champions League. Um, then it was off to my couch in my living room watching games at 7.30 by myself. So I figured, you know, I need to reach out and see if there's any other Liverpool supporters in the city of Louisville. And I started the uh, official supporters club uh, for Liverpool in Louisville in 2010. Uh, we came, became official in 2011, so, uh, recognized by the club. And it's gone off since then. And we, we, we watch matches together here at uh, Miami Malone's. We travel on buses to way too expensive friendly matches over the summer and plan to do so soon again. Yeah, my name's Jim Nances. I'm down here working on an article for Insider Louisville on Scouse and Scouse's house. And uh, I like the Beatles, and I don't know any music groups from Barcelona, so uh, I think, uh, no, I enjoy uh, English Premier League, and I am a little bit more like Evan. I think a Louisville City fan uh, really got into soccer basically when I went to that first game against St. Louis on that rainy, damp afternoon when we won 2 nothing, and from that point on, I've really enjoyed uh, Louisville City soccer, but also more and more international. When I grew up years ago, we, did, we couldn't watch this level of soccer. Even the MLS wasn't even in existence. So times have changed, and uh, it's great to be here with these guys tonight. Hi, I am uh, Michael Scouse Bromelow. I am the, <laughs> the president of uh, Scouse's House at Louisville City. Um, I've been a Liverpool supporter ever since I was an embryo. Um, <laughs> I stood on the cup for many years. Um, and back in 1992, I moved over here to Louisville, Kentucky. And I was so glad to uh, finally be able to watch live football here in um, Kentucky. And um, I quite frequently come down here to uh, Molly Malone's to catch me a good live game. Um, so basically, uh, football is in my blood, and um, I take any advantage I can to come and watch a, a good football game. And Noel McCabe, uh, lifelong Liverpool fan as far back as I can remember, and from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, also played for Liverpool City. We appreciate the support every week, guys. Just want to get that out there. But yeah, lifelong, very passionate Liverpool fan. My name's Evan Floyd, and now my biggest accomplishment is sitting next to Niall McCain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I'm the host of the In the House podcast, which is the podcast the, for supporters group Scouse's House. I'm a big international soccer fan in general. I, as has been mentioned, I'm an Arsenal fan, but really I just love, uh, I just love good soccer, and uh, EPL has been my favorite for a long time. And since I like the English Premier League, and since I started liking soccer in about 2003, that's how you end up being an Arsenal fan. That's not hard to figure out. Invincibles. Uh, dang right. And uh, But mostly uh, I'm just interested in seeing how we can grow soccer in the city of Louisville, uh, increase support for the local team, and increase support for the game that I love. That's why I'm here. Thanks to you all for being here tonight, and uh, thanks to Molly Malone's for setting aside a room for us tonight. Uh, they're always great supporters of uh, all things soccer. Um, and my beer is cold. Excellent. That's the only way to drink it. Mine's gone. <laughs> that's not good. So that's another issue for someone else to deal with. Um, but now since we kind of introduced everybody, just going to be a panel. It's a, it's, a, it's a really nice swath of people from different backgrounds. I, I think what's really important about the Champions League is, is its global effect. And um, the global effect, we don't really feel here in the States as much as we do around the world. Um, for us that are very passionate soccer fans, 
Um, it's easy for us to understand why the rest of the world loves it. But uh, Scouse, you wrote a piece on our Scouse House uh, website this week about the impact of this match. So for, for those that are just listening, and there will be a, a big audience just listening to this that don't know much about the Champions League, uh, give us a little insight as to what this means to the rest of the world and why we should at least tune in for the casual supporter. Well, you know, what people don't seem to realize, um, next to the uh, the World Cup final, the uh, the next watched um, soccer event on the planet is the Champions League Cup final. And I recently read something on the internet where it was estimating that 500 million people are going to watch this game live. So there's the impact right there because so many people around the world are going to be watching this game. And back in Liverpool right now, if you, if you, you look up um, any of the, uh, the media sources out of Liverpool, people have gone crazy over there. You know, they've decorated the houses um, red and white, you know, they're, they're right behind the club. Um, but when I was growing up, um, you know, when Liverpool were at the height of uh, their success, you know, I remember 1977 when we won the, the European Cup for the first time. Um, I remember, like it was yesterday, we, we stayed up extra late to go watch to watch the game, and um, you know, it's games like this will bring the city of Liverpool to a standstill. You know, if you walk out in the streets of Liverpool, the streets will be empty because everybody's inside a pub or inside their home watching the game. Right. You know, and a successful team goes an awful long way to pick up the morale of people in a. Um, a large city like Liverpool, and it's the same with um, you know when Niles from in Dublin. You know if you um, are behind the team and they're successful, it does so so much to bring up the uh, the morale of the people in that city. You know even though that they've they've got really hard lives, they get up at uh, five o'clock in the morning, they go to work, they work a twelve-hour shift. You know and then they they come home and the dog tired and um, one of the things you have to look forward to every single week is going to watch uh, one of the football teams play. Yeah, Liverpool's a really working class city, and much like Dublin too. I've spent a number of times there. My family's from just south of Dublin, and I understand that. So now from the Irish standpoint, from Dublin, what's it mean to, to the folks in Ireland? Because they have a huge Liverpool fan base. Yeah, it's it's massive. They have a, a massive following in, in Dublin, uh, Ireland in general. I think it's a... It's basically either Liverpool or Man United. It's, it's right. rare you'll find... You'll get the other Arsenal fan. Uh, now, <laughs> like one sitting next to you. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, the closest uh, one to you. Uh, being like, the appropriate word. Nowadays, like we, it's when Chelsea or Bramwich came in, you have like younger kids now that come kind of Chelsea and now again with Man City. But I'd say it's 90% Man United or, or Liverpool, you know, and Liverpool... Uh, come over quite a bit. Uh, they're coming back again uh, this this preseason to Dublin, so they get quite a large crowd there. And um, yeah, like people say, it's it's week in week out uh, during work. You're just talking about Liverpool, talking about football, reading the papers, uh, and come Saturday, it's uh, yeah, it's go time. It's down to the bookies, get your bets on, and <laughs> off to the off to the game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know, Evan, you, you have a pretty big global view on this as well. So what are your thoughts on how it impacts the, the well, world? I think that Scout said it just right. I mean, whether it's 500 million people or if it's, you know, 250 million people or however many it ends up being for this particular game, it's not just a game. Like, it'll be a really fascinating match regardless because Liverpool and Madrid are such interesting teams. Correct. 
But even if that match were garbage, it wouldn't matter. It's an event as much as anything else. I mean, the only thing you can remotely compare it to in the United States is something like the Super Bowl or the Indianapolis 500 or Derby, something that it doesn't matter if you are a soccer fan around the world. It doesn't matter if you love that sport or follow one of these two teams. If you are alive and paying attention, you're going to know what's going on with it in the the rest of the world. And I think that that's... uh, And then the good thing you've got to realize, too, is the two teams that are taking part on Saturday are two of the most watched soccer teams in the world. Um, Real Madrid and Liverpool because if um, you notice when those two teams go on the road it doesn't matter if they're going to Australia or they're going out to the Far East or whether they come to the United States they're going to fill a stadium and it's all Liverpool fans it's all uh, Real Madrid fans or it, you know whether it's Manchester United you know these teams are known worldwide it's you funny know. you say that I was listening to a podcast on the way in um, the Anfield Rap I listened to and Jeannie Wijnaldum was on there today and Jeannie was talking about how shocked he was, because you know he came down from Newcastle, right? So they were relegated. He was lucky enough to, to jump ship and came over to Liverpool, and he was talking about going to Hong Kong for the first time. And a friendly in the middle of a monsoon, and they packed a stadium of 65,000 in a match that means nothing. But it meant everything to the people around us. So you always take it, you know, you know, from Liverpool, FC, Kentucky, kind of where, where are you at with this? It's, it's, it's something that, you know, as a, as a supporter, supporters club and just as a fan in general, it's you know it's been a long time since Liverpool's been in a good spot like this, and you know when I when I got on board, I I didn't imagine it, and and now we're here, and it's you know I don't think anybody would have assumed that we would be here at the beginning of this year, and most people around the world probably wouldn't have, and it's it's something that really it, it gets you together, it gets a you know we we went through some some seasons where turnouts were pretty low and people were just kind of mad about the whole situation but you know Klopp comes in and we start getting players that are performing better than anybody would have hoped and it just it you know it's not only soccer it's your life and it 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 affects your mood and your your entire day thereafter and your week and yeah it's I mean it's exciting it's super exciting I mean these these players can make history you know their their names will be going to be on the the team sheet Well, the one, the one guy that for Liverpool right now that's already made history because he, he's basically won every award um, out there, Golden Boot, this and um, the, you're talking like, about Adam Lallana, yeah. <laughs> the Pharaoh, yeah. King Pharaoh, yeah, yeah, you know, Mo Salah, you know. Um, well, I thought we were talking about Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> he scored half of those goals. He did. Come on now. He just scored again. He's not even playing. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. you said that uh, you remember like back in was it '77 when uh, mm-hmm. is Liverpool been in the. Uh, Champion Cup since then? Yeah, they you know they Liverpool won have won it five times. Oh wow! You know they they won it uh, 1977, won 78. You know, and then the, the the most famous one is the one that they won in 2005 when they came from three nil down to uh, win the Champions League against the best team at the time, which was AC Milan. Oh, and, uh, but I think this all perfect. I think this all perfectly illustrates the point. That's 13 years ago that they won that last title, and you just heard the president of a Liverpool fan club say that he never expected this team to be here and yet there's this kind of passion about a team that is this beloved worldwide and we're surrounded by a lot of Liverpool fans and of course they should be excited but you can 100% guarantee that the Real Madrid fans around the world are feeling the exact same way right now that they're excited to be there that they want to win that they expect to win and that uh, it's an event every bit as much for them even though they've won the last two as it is for Liverpool who hasn't been there in 
13 years. So there's something interesting there. Um, you can talk, the, the word history got brought up, and, and Liverpool is a club very rich in history, but it's fallen on hard times to the point where there was massive ownership turmoil. Um, you know, we very easily could have ended up like Portsmouth if things had broke a different way. And by the grace of the football gods, it ended up going very differently. However, there is not a lot of big game winning experience with this current team, whereas the entire Madrid squad has been here before, has been through multiple either Classicos with something on the line, has been battling for Copas over there, and also winning the last two Champions Leagues. You know, this is a chance where you've got a local boyhood right back who's going to be up against some of the best players in the world, and some of these some of these players from Liverpool are going to be sick to their stomachs before they ever step foot on the field, and they're going to have to step up and play the game of their lives against some of the biggest names in world football. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, so, big match. So, for you all that are now getting your appetite kind of whetted by this, what we're building this up to, this is Saturday at 2.45 in the U.S. Uh, for the kickoff. Like we said, Molly Malone's going to have a big watch party for this. I know a lot of the other places like Saints and uh, I'm sure that other places too will have big watch parties, but this is where a lot of us will be down here getting here early. Now, Niall, I'm glad you showed up because I did put in the notes up there. I'm sure you just saw it. So you guys are going to be preparing for FC Cincinnati. I'm not trying to make this a little city podcast, but it's funny because I know you're a huge Liverpool supporter just from because we're friends on Facebook and stuff like that. But so how are you going to get this past Coach O'Connor? Are you guys going to be able to kind of like watch the match or how are you going to do this? Because your match against Cincinnati is what, at 7 o'clock, 7.30? Yeah. 7.30. 7.30. Uh, the only thing we, we will have to kind of really negotiate is the uh, team meal and the uh, team meeting. Okay. Um, other than that, James is pretty good about uh, wanting us to watch as much uh, football as we can. Yeah. Um, he sees it as like a learning opportunity as well. So the more like of the, this is the best of the best right here on uh, on Saturday, you know, the, the cream of the crop. So if you can watch and, and pick up some things and, yeah, the more, that's what he wants, you know. He encourages it a lot. So, and um, watching it, I don't think will be will be an issue. I'm sure he'll want to watch too. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, I know we have a lot of us that are going to be here. I will not be going. I know that Evan will be. I don't know if any of you all are also making the we'll call it the double that day, <laughs> making it both to uh, the Liverpool uh, Champions League match here and then going to Cincinnati. Evan, you're making it. And a number of other people. Yeah, going up there for the match. I know that uh, there are several of us who are coming to Molly's to watch the game first, and then leaving directly to go to Cincinnati to uh, support our guys in purple. And so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great day of soccer. I just hope that uh, you know my wife understands. But uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome long day. Uh, and part of it though is also if you're willing to watch. You know, other than just the game itself, if you get have any of the international stations, I mean, it's a whole day of coverage of this. Yeah. You'll be able to start watching good stuff about the Champions League final starting at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning if that's what you're into. And it is what I'm into. So uh, from 7 a.m. until about uh, 10 p.m., it'll be a long day of soccer for me, and I'm looking forward to it. I just wish one of you guys had correct me when I said I didn't know any music group from Barcelona. Nobody, <laughs> nobody corrected me, and I didn't realize it until afterwards I said Barcelona. So, 
let it be on the record that uh, I made a mistake and said Barcelona said. Well, you, you realize you're in a room of Liverpool supporters, so it's Liverpool and who? Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I couldn't think of any Madrid bands either. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, kind of uh, road to Kiev here. So. Um, for Liverpool, we started way back like nine months ago, back in August. We had to do the qualifier, right? Because that's back when the fourth position in England had to go through the qualifier. This year, luckily, we don't have to worry about that because of the way we revamped the Champions League. Uh, but we had to start way back in August with Hoffenheim. We knocked them out 6-2 on aggregate. And it, it was kind of a scary thing for us Liverpool sports. We were like, we're sort of in the Champions League, but not really in the Champions League. Ah. Hoffenheim's no pushover either. I mean... I think, the, I think they're finishing in the top three or four in uh, Germany. They've had a great season. Yeah. They've got a great coach, too. They do. It's, it's, uh, it was you know, certainly when, when it comes to around two matches like um, ones in the Champions League, you know, there's a reason why you're in the Champions League. There are no pushovers. You know, Liverpool could have gone out early in the, um, the beginning rounds just like anybody else. But um, we came out, we came out to play, and um, thank to God that, you know, we've made it all the way through from the, um, the beginning of the tournament, and now we're, we're ending up at the, at the uh, in Kiev in the final. Yeah, so then once we got through the qualifier, then it drops into, well, all 32 teams are in eight different groups. Groups of four with home and away, and first and second place team moves in based upon their standing. So Liverpool actually rolled through their group really, really well. Uh, they were in Group E. Three wins, three draws, no losses. And a couple of their draws were kind of almost like shoe-ins. Let's not get anybody hurt because we came out of the blocks, just we came out of the traps flying. Uh, we had scored 23 times and just gave up six goals, plus 17 goal differential. Back over to Real Madrid, the more veteran volley group here, um, they were in Group H. They actually fell behind Tottenham, which is interesting, I think, because I think it's an extremely dynamic because they're probably the only team that – Real Madrid is space that plays similar to how Liverpool play. I see you nodding your head over there. Tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking with that. Yeah, you, when you think about it, and Pochettino's entire system is built around a high press, uh, prolific scoring center forward and Harry Kane, and supporting kind of almost quirky attacking pieces, right? So they, they've got Lamella, who is all elbows, but <laughs> ten, you know, is a fantastic left foot, likes to cut inside a lot. They've also, they, you mean, it's... Dembele, it's Deli Ali who actually had two goals in their 3-1 win uh, against Madrid, and it's all high press all the time. And this was the first time someone, because that was actually the group of death, and it was the Absolutely. first time someone came out and just pressed Madrid, and Madrid did not handle it too well. And so if you're looking at a potential matchup, if you're Jurgen Klopp, you, you might be having that game on heavy repeat, trying to figure out what Pochettino did and mimic that exact press against someone like Casemiro or Tony Cruz or Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of that was um, how brave they were. They, they weren't um, scared of Madrid, you know, with the, the pedigree that they have. I read a lot about this week with Klopp saying uh, that Liverpool need to be brave and, and that they need to play their, their type of football, you know, it makes no sense to be cagey and that they need to they need to go out there and be brave. I think it's he, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but Madrid, their their recovery runs uh, were were very slow against the Tottenham that game, and particularly uh, Marcelo. So I feel like um, 
I feel like that's an area that Salah could could exploit um, if he gets the chance to. So I think so now can you explain I don't know that everyone's going to understand when you're saying recovery runs in Marcelo can you explain what position he plays and yeah, what so, that means so Marcelo's a he's a, he's a full back so um, the way Madrid plays they, they have the ball quite a lot so it allows their, the whole team basically to, to squeeze up the pitch and, and kind of pin teams in but the problem is when they uh, lose the ball when they give up the ball and, and a team breaks quickly on them it's, a, it's all about how fast you can track back, how fast you can recover into your position. And um, yeah, I don't think that they do that particularly well. I feel like they... Was it Son in that uh, Tottenham game who was giving him so much trouble beating him to the mm-hmm. beating him to the corners? I thought that Tottenham did exactly what you would want to see Liverpool do in that game, which is press high and press effectively. And keeping uh, Modric from having time is, I think, the biggest key for the team for the entire game. Is the midfield battle is not going to be won by midfielders in this game. It's going to be it's going to be won by the triumvirate of uh, Salah, Mane, and uh, Firmino doing what they've done all year, which is be able to turn uh, tracking back and pressing with the midfield back into offense immediately. And uh, I think that Modric and Casemiro and Cruz are the real the possible weak links in that because that's what will expose somebody like Marcelo if they're making good runs down the side. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting because um, I lost my train of thought there. It's because I'm the worst. No, I, ha- I had it there and I'm not forgetting about it. Yeah, here we go. So it's it's interesting with Tottenham, they, they press really, really well. And they uh, transition really well with Ericsson and Son and, and Kane. Um, but those three, they're nowhere near as direct as, as Mane, Firmino and Salah. That's where I think... I think it could be very beneficial for Liverpool getting those those three going. Definitely. And you know, you, you talked about being brave, and it, it made me think back to 14-15 when we played Real Madrid. At Real Madrid, and we we sat Gerard, and and I think it was Barini who started, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it might have been Markovic and Lucas Leiva played, Shocking and it was <laughs> some other people played for Sunderland and somebody else. It was the opposite remember. of brave. Yeah. I mean, and and you just it's so it's so comforting knowing that Klopp is going to do absolutely nothing like that, and that he's going to play his his same heavy metal football as he calls it, and he's going to go balls to the wall, and we're going to try and put Real Madrid under the most pressure that could be possible. And it's also difficult because uh, Zidane has everyone available. Every single player is available. He, uh, I don't know if you heard what he said, but it was, <laughs> you know, he's, he's fucked. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and he, he basically said, like, that's yeah. word for word. Right. Too many he's, choices. He has to leave people in Madrid, and that's just the tough part about oh, being yeah. coach. And now he's... He has to be put behind in, in the biggest club game in the world. Sure. And also, on the other hand, where you know, we have some some injuries, you know, no chance going to get him back. Gomez is out, you know. Yeah. We're not at. No, no. Yeah, know, we so don't have as many choices to make. That's for sure. So it's it's interesting. It's an yep. interesting battle. Yeah, and then, you know, the other nice thing, the way I look at it too, is Liverpool got nothing to lose. Fair. Real Madrid right. have got everything to lose. They're Fair. coming. They're coming in for a three P. They don't want to lose this game, and that's going to be on the, their mind. And if any of the Liverpool squad are listening to this, <laughs> don't touch the cup on the way out. Leave the cup alone. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Madrid have had a really rough domestic season. 
This last weekend, they only managed 2-2 draw. This weekend. This is their entire season. Z- Zidane was fighting for his head as of a month ago. So, it's funny. Liverpool can play very freely. Mm-hmm. They, they, can, they can run. They can be brave. They can press high. They can attack. Because if they lose 3-1, it's, they're losing to Madrid, one of the greatest mm-hmm. teams in football. It's fine. But that Madrid is going to feel every pressure, every weight, every call that doesn't go their way in the first 15 minutes is going to feel like one more brick on their back. But by that same token, they've all played in this game before, and they all know what the weight of that feels like. They've already repeated. They know what it takes yeah. to do that. And also, it's not like Liverpool won their season, go, won their championship going away. These are two teams that weren't close in their domestic runs, neither team. So both of them have really been playing for this tournament for the last two months. Yeah, all their eggs have been in this basket for a long time. The only, it's the only matches they cared about at all. And then going into this game, too, both Liverpool and Real Madrid are the two top scoring sides in the Champions League this year. Yeah, and I, I think to that point, you kind of look at how they went through the knockout stages. I noted this here because I thought it was really interesting when I went back and looked at it. Liverpool defeated Porto 5-0, Manchester City 5-1. By the way, the undefeated Manchester City before they came to Liverpool and Anfield first time. Defeated Roma 7-6, which was, that's just a mind-screwing how you can possibly get to 7-6 in aggregate. But on the flip side of that, it kind of shows a little bit about the veteran team that Real Madrid has, and it kind of, I hope, leads to them not having enough legs, but they played in a murderer's row, like in their, all three of their knockouts. PSG, they beat 5-2, which was a shock, I thought, to have it by that No name, Mark. Juventus, 4-3, which is always going to be slow and molasses-driven and just ugly. And then Bayern Munich, which is the one that I actually thought that Bayern would get through that stage at 4-3. So when you look at the difference of them, Liverpool is still playing a free-flowing attacking, which actually works a lot better against teams that are better, right? Because Liverpool do not like the low block. I'm so glad we didn't have to go play against Juventus, who want to set 10 men behind the ball the entire match and try to get two free kicks and try to score from there. So as you look at the way that they both played, they both really played their strengths. Liverpool played with their legs. Real Madrid played with all their confidence. So what do you take away from the, the group stage and how we got through that? It was fun um, watching the, us take down City and then Salah's old team, Roma. I was mm-hmm. just, it, it felt perfect almost, like a perfect road. And now we're at the at the climax and we'll see how, uh, how Saturday turns out. Well, I mean, not only did they get through those stages uh, in what are fun matchups, but also you know, uh, your triumvirate up there of your attacking three, they uh, set the record for the most goals scored by any three players in one Champions League run with 29, and the record they broke was Benzema, Ronaldo, and Bale, who they're now facing in the next round, which is awesome. But that was the key. As a non-Liverpool fan, I'll, I'll say I watched more Liverpool this year than I ever have before because I'm in Scouse's house. <laughs> but... Uh, Drink some, it's more infectious. Drink some more of the juice. Drink some more of the juice. I'll go get a Carlsberg after this. But it's been uh, it's been fun to watch them play. I mean, it's just an exciting brand of football. I mean, I understand completely why Juventus has been as successful as they have been for so long. I understand why parking the bus effectively can go a long way for any team if you have the talent to withstand what's coming in front of you. But it's not fun to watch 
And Liverpool, for a top-flight team this year to score as many goals as they have, is it 41 in the Champions League this year? I believe that's correct. 41 goals. That's just fun to watch. And they, they play an exciting, attacking, aggressive style of soccer. And if you're not a soccer fan, if you haven't sat down and watched much, uh, much international club play, this is a great team to get you hooked because they play like gangbusters. Like it's 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 a personally offensive to them if they haven't scored seven. And and honestly, it couldn't. It sets up for a really fascinating match with Madrid because Madrid also wants to score. They're not particularly interested in winning this game two to one. I'm sure they'd take it, but that's not the style of soccer that they play, and their back three isn't strong enough to enforce that. that that's the this. one thing that really worries me about Saturday is uh, the way Liverpool defend. Yeah. Um, and I'm not confident in their defense at all. Because as a non-Liverpool fan, their defense is fun to watch too. Yeah. <laughs> because they're going to give up some fun goals, and uh, yeah, as much as Van Dijk has helped shore that up, it's mm-hmm. been uh, they're still they're you know, still not. This Saturday, Liverpool's defense has got to be on the game, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Because uh, if they they mess up just one iota, you know, um, Real Madrid are going to punish them, and uh, I'm hopefully think hopefully that Liverpool is just going to outscore Real Madrid. So um, this I don't know how long this uh, will take for me to get some spiel out about the uh, the knockout stages and stuff like that. And um, I, I respect Madrid a lot, you know. And I think I always expected Liverpool to get out of the the group stage. And then when we drew, when we drew, um, you know, Porto, and I was I was very confident that we would we would cause some problems. And even when we drew City, they were running away with the the league. But um, we match up really well against teams like that, you know. So I was still, I still was confident enough, you know, that we would do right. well. And then, obviously Madrid uh, on the other side, these are uh, these are serial winners. Every one of these players are, they have a mentality that that they win. You know, Ronaldo won won it all. A bit like Old City. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so these these players, they won it all. Sure. Um, you now PSG, they beat French champions. Uh, Bayern Munich, they beat. German champions, Juventus, right. Italian champions. These right. beat them all, you know. And um, although I feel like Bayern were the, were the better team, and um, it just shows you the mentality. That so goes. let me let me stop you there real quick because I'll look where you're on this train of thought. But I, I think this is an interesting question. Do you think that Liverpool would have a better chance in a one-off or a home and away against Madrid? Yes. One-off. Why is that? Um, I think it just suits it suits them better. I think it's just just the way it is. Um, two two legged affairs are always uh, difficult, especially with the away goal. I think that plays an important part in it. Um, you saw, uh, you see it so often. Teams they can see that away goal and it kind of just it, it it kills them mentally. You know, you saw with Liverpool with Roma when Mane scored. It it, it destroyed them mentally, and I was surprised at how uh, Roma came back. I was I was really impressed with the spirit. Um, but the away goal kind of it kind of kills teams, um, so the one-off game, it's 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 on the day, you know. Anything it really is on the day. Anything can happen. Um, and it's important to note on uh, the Champions League in the final, there's no away goals. No. It's just straight up. No. And the, the last time uh, Real Madrid lost in the finals, who was it to? Liverpool. Oh. Interesting note there <laughs> for you. Interesting note for you. So, so did you did you see that little joke that uh, somebody posted today? <laughs> um, on on Facebook, I've got to find it. And, uh, All right, you sort that out. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go ahead. On one, let's touch on one thing here. Uh, let's be realist about this thing. 
who in their right mind as Liverpool supporters, and I want to, I want to hear your take on this too, Evan, um, but who would have thought that losing Coutinho would not have had an impact? Because we go back to August and we go all the way in through, you know, we had multiple random phantom back injuries for Coutinho as one of the best players in the world, and we get it, we know what he's doing, all this stuff. We'll play, we'll play fair, we'll keep it in balance. Who would have thought that if we lost Coutinho and we didn't get Virgil van Dijk, we messed up the entire transfer with that. And somehow, out of nowhere, we have Virgil van Dijk. And this team kicks it up a notch by losing Coutinho and putting in a center back, right? Because that's normally not where you figure, I mean, especially from an attacking point of view, because you look at Klopp and all this stuff, that we've actually kicked it up a notch since we lost Coutinho. Not that he's not one of the best players in the world. I don't know if you saw the shot he hit two nights ago. Did you Bas- see the whip? Bang- Ooh, ridiculous. Ooh. Bang- Touch, bang, quick. From a, he'd never even hit that one from that far. But anyway, who would have thought that? So, how do you how do you see that Liverpool's resiliency has changed since the loss of Coutinho in the style of play a little bit with Virgil in the back? Because it completely changed the dynamic. We can use a Brendanism and say galvanized team, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I've, it's 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 been debated for sure the loss of Coutinho and the the gaining of Van Dyke, but you know. It, it was kind of thought that Coutinho was – everybody knew who, knew who Coutinho was, and they knew that it was going to run through Phil Coutinho. And, and I was sad to see him leave, and I still hate seeing him in Barcelona colors, but it's it's less predictable from a midfield standpoint to where it's more of a team ethic and ethos to get the ball and you attack. It doesn't necessarily have to go through Phil to score a worldie from outside the box like he did multiple times, but – it's, it's spread throughout, and I, I think you saw that from the front three and the, how they dispersed the goals about From a statistical perspective, Coutinho likes a long shot, and while he's quite good at them, that can mess with the flow of the overall game. Um, I think what it also allowed is for James Milner to step in, and he has been absolutely lights out this entire Champions League run. He has been relentless in his running, in his pressing, and in his attacking. And I don't know that I believed going into this year that James Milner had the legs to to run like he has this entire Champions League. And he has been a crucial part. So now what you've seen is you've got a pressing midfielder and a pressing system that's thrived. You replace an individual who liked to hold onto the ball and liked to pop a long shot. And while he was extremely talented, now you see a little bit more of a team cohesion. Their, their shot location is going to be a little bit closer. They're playing more for the counter where teams are pushed up. Now you've got Sala and Mane and Firmino, who has also been absolutely lights out all year, able to, to interchange a little more. You've seen Firmino drop deep. You've seen Mane get on the ball more. And, and it's allowed for a little more of a fluid attacking triumvirate, which has produced massive results. For sure. And, you know, on, on James Milner, he, he kind of proved my point of, and on Austin's point, too, of the team ethos. And, you know, he broke the, the Champions League record for assists. And I don't know if he scored a goal except for the one that hit off his face and <laughs> went in for, for Roma. So, you know, that's he, he sums up the change in the team since Coutinho left, I think. So I was really surprised Liverpool let uh, – Coutinho go in January. I felt like they they held all the cards uh, with his with right. his contract. So, what I I was back home at the time when it was all happening. I felt like they were going to um, do the deal, let him go. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the season, you know, um, 
just saw him, it's similar to what we've done with Katie, okay, you Every know, um, you just sort of let him go, if he wants to go, you know, fair enough, we, we got a nice prize for him as well, so you can't really argue with that, um, but keep him till the end of the season, he, he knew he couldn't play Champions League football, so, right. he was cut out. so it was really, it was really weird, I thought, I thought we should have kept him till the end of the season, but if he wanted to go, he wanted to go, yes. bringing in Van Dijk, who I think is comfortably the best centre-back in the league, um, Sure. I saw a stat today, uh, since he made his debut, Liverpool have conceded the least amount of Premier League goals. Nine goals, I believe it was. That's, so. that's, it's, it's, it's funny that you mention that because, as we mentioned in the, earlier in the podcast, that you know, people think Liverpool's defense is a joke, and they have been in the past and maybe even in the beginning of the season, but since the turn of the year... They haven't really been yeah, a joke. Because Liverpool made that um, big change at the, at the beginning of the year with uh, you know Van Dijk coming in and then they um, they benched um, Mignolet and um, changed goalkeepers back there too. And now you can see that the goalkeeper has um, uh, confidence in his back three and the back three have got confidence in the goalkeeper, which to me is um, it, it's, it's brilliant. You know, it, it's, it's totally like night and day because the last few seasons um, it's been Liverpool's defence that's cost us the league position. A few years ago it was Liverpool's defence that cost us the championship, you know. And now that they've made this turn around the corner and uh, hopefully it carries on until next season and into the Champions League is that we've got confidence in our back three um, somewhat now. So... Um, Hopefully, it'll bode well for, for Saturday as we're moving forward and um, hopefully going to give Real Madrid a good spanking. Van Dijk has even made Lovren look like a new player. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's insane the transformation yeah. that has been been made with, with Lovren. He looks like a real, real player now. You know, you know I never feel sorry for Manuelay. I remember his first game over for Liverpool. He made a penalty save on the first match, mm-hmm. first game. Uh, and I don't think there are a ton of people that love Manuelay. But I will tell you this, I do feel a little bit sorry for him that he got taken out of goal as soon as Van Dyke came in. <laughs> and then you're like, well, all of a sudden, Curious looks like he's walking on water. Right. And you're wondering what would Mignolet look back there, but I actually don't want to go back in time. But it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a rough shot for it's, him. It's but, hard but, to... but, but one of the things that we, we really got a hit on, and I know Van Dyke, he spent, he spent an awful lot of money, but Liverpool, in the close season, we picked up a player... Um, who is the best value for money that we bought this season, and that's Robertson. Yeah. You know. When you look at the start of the season, we basically swapped him for Kevin Stewart. It's Kevin Stewart, thank you. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Stewart, who we picked up from Spurs, who was not even playing, and we started putting him at centre back at the end of matches to try to get him headers out of the box. But yeah. when you look at that uh, deal, it just amazing. It, was it, a makes stroke. Just, it makes me just trust Klopp even more. Oh yeah. Well, as a non-fan of the team, from an outsider's perspective, I remember starting to hear the Coutinho rumors, you know, basically a year and a half ago that he was going to be leaving, and thinking they could never in a million years afford to let that guy go. He is too important to their team. I end up, I really end up thinking you have to give a lot of credit to the to the leadership team that they have, whether it's Klopp making these decisions or whomever is making these decisions. Because I think that they just realized at that point what they had in Salah. I think they would have kept him. But you had a guy that they thought was going to be good, and then it turned out that he wasn't good, that he was unbelievable. And you handed him the reins and said that these three don't need Coutinho to get them goals. 
and we can afford to have a Milner play in that role instead of somebody who might be able to score you the fantastic goal. I think that they recognized what they were sitting on and said, let's have this guy be the focal point of our attack. And you don't need to have a $170 million, you know, number 10 to be able to score goals right now. So why pay him when we can go and get, like Niall called him, the best center back in the league? It changes your defense, and it doesn't hurt your offense. In fact, it allowed them to try new things that I think worked better than they've been playing well, yeah, quite some time. The center backs are now playing. They're actually protecting the center circle on the opponent's side. If you watch them playing right now, they're playing on the opponent's side, protecting their center circle. Yeah. So I, I do want to talk though. Um, as as great as Van Dyke is, you've got to give some credit to Madrid's defense. They have so so Van Dyke might be the best defender on the pitch. Sergio Ramos is the other argument Ramos. there. I'd probably give it to Ramos personally on history alone. Right, and if we you know if Liverpool loses on a Sergio Ramos header, I'm going to cry for a week. Um, <laughs> But they also have Marcelo, and they have Danny Carvajal, who is notoriously underrated and a brilliant player in his own right. Madrid's defense is very, very good and very, very solid. Liverpool's attacking three is going to have to work to get those goals because there is a massive amount of talent there, and they have the experience, again, as we talked about. It would be really curious to see, can Lovren stay in good Lovren mode. Well, it takes us 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> to get him out of the I'm hoping so. I think that's what's great about the, like, a game like this, you know. Um, you got two great centre-halves on your side, you know. Uh, Ramos, I think, is probably the best in the world. Um, just what he does, the, the goals he scores at like moments, yeah. you know. He, he does it all the time, I think. Um, but if... Lovren or more importantly Van Dijk has a good game. Liverpool come out on top. You know this is a showpiece occasion that could just elevate his own status. You know because uh, Holland uh, gone to the World Cup you now, so that's another stage where you can prove yourself to be among the world's best. Um, so I think it's a massive opportunity as well for players to really cement themselves as elite, sure. world-class players. And um, but yeah, Madrid's defense is it is solid. Um, with Varane, he's got the pace, and, and Ramos, he reads the game. But as we've seen well. in the, um, the in the, the Champions League and the, the, the qualifying rounds coming up into the group stages, Real Madrid's uh, defence can be broken. They were very open at times mm-hmm. against Bayern and, and Juventus. And yeah, we've talked about the fact that they've won the last two, and is it three out of four that they've won at this point? Did yes. they win? Uh-huh. So it's three out of four they've won. And it's been basically the same core of this team for that entire run. You don't have guys who are in the prime of their careers four years ago that are still in their prime of their careers now. Sergio Ramos, still incredible. Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, it's the first time we've said his name in in my experience here. uh, Since we started doing this podcast, and you're talking about probably the best player in the world, one of the top five players in history. I'm, I'm not trying to get into a messy Ronaldo. Salah. Salah. Okay, fine. <laughs> sure. It is, it is our headlines every day are that there's plenty of those. I'm not trying to get into that argument. I'm just saying that regardless of where you think he falls, he's one of the top five players now and one of the top ten players ever. And that and we haven't had to mention him yet in this right. podcast. And that tells you, A, what kind of nerds we all are. And then, B, it also tells you that this team – I feel like you've got to sort of concede that Ronaldo might just do something special and you just have to live with that. 
and that uh, you just sort of have to tip your cap if that's what happens. But the same thing holds with Salah on the other side, where they know that he might just pull out some form of unbelievable individual brilliance. And if that's the case, then you're relying on those other pieces of your team. And the defense for Real Madrid is not the 25-year-olds they were when they started on this run. And I think that you can trust that I wouldn't want to watch Marcelo try to run with Mane or Salah down, down the edge. I just wouldn't. And I think that that'll be interesting to see how they uh, make that transition pay off. And by that same token, how how incredible has Alexander Arnold been? I mean, the fact that you've got a 19-year-old kid doing what he's been doing for that squad, I, I found him to be a revelation this year. I'm curious what Liverpool fans think of it. Yeah, it's been said. It was still said earlier that any anybody can win, right? It depends on the day, the uh, the magic of the day, uh, the dynamics of each team. The moods of people, uh, somebody had gotten into a fight with their girlfriend or their wife the night before and uh, is not on their game. So uh, anybody can win in any sport, and especially in, in soccer, and get to that level where you're playing in that final game. You, you're, you're at the table, man. you got to see at the table. And so if a few things break your way, you can win. I don't care who you're playing. That's really key for Trent, too. Yeah, because can, can you game. imagine being him? He's, what, 18 years old? 19, he's a, I think. Yeah. yeah, he's 19. 18, 19 years old, you and he's in his. Yeah, but you know what's going to go through his mind? Yeah, pressure. You know he's going to be coming out there on a pitch um, in Kiev, and the the stadium's going to be full of 60, 70, 80 thousand people. You know what's going to be going through his mind? And this season he's done absolutely fabulous. You know, um, and him going head to head with uh, Ronaldo on that side of the pitch, man. He's been, he's been obviously he's done really really well um, and he's been tested and asked questions before as well yes. especially with uh, Leroy Sané on, on his side um, uh, who obviously had a great season he was young player of the year and stuff like that but uh, I think there's a big difference between Leroy Sané and, and Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a different beast you know and It'll be interesting. It's a big, big test, you know, and it obviously means uh, so much to him being a being a local lad as well. So oh, yeah. it will be interesting. And that's what, that's one of the things that really um, endears me to Liverpool more than any other team in um, in England is because um, Liverpool have actually got a local lad on the team. He came right up through the ranks. He he started out in. Um, you know, in the academy, and he's come up through the ranks, and now he's playing first-team football in the Champions League Cup final. Yeah, to to us people uh, here in Kentucky, uh, for those of us that are University of Kentucky basketball fans, I can tell you that anytime there's a player from the University of Kentucky that came from the state of Kentucky, it's always a big deal to us, and there's always a little bit more passion behind us because it's like they know what it's about to them, right? They know what it means. So whatever sports you're from, if you are from a local area, it makes a difference in you. You, you run just a little bit harder. Certainly. You cheer just a little bit louder. You get all that. So I do want to touch on one thing. I think, you know, obviously we got Salah, we got Ronaldo, but we've also got Benzema, Bell to go along with Ronaldo. We've also got Firmino, Mane to go along with Salah. You talk about three on three. I mean, who would want to be the keeper in that? We're playing three on three with a keeper. I mean, no chance. Yeah. It's, it's a... It's you know you you know you're in for a busy night. Well, it's an embarrassment of riches, and what a wonderful stage for this. I yeah. mean, I don't think we've ever seen an attacking six, if you like, mm-hmm. seen in the Champions League final like this. 
maybe in the last 15 years. I, I can't remember one. Mm-hmm. That's, it's tough. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast, too, and uh, this was the Anfield Index, and they were talking about uh, the matchup between the two teams and when Real Madrid was interested in Mo Salah, and they you know, kind of went through our heads and said, oh, my God, are we going to have another Coutinho? And another one of the Spanish teams is going to take our best player. It was it was funny the 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 journalist from Spain was saying that the the true Real fans were more interested in Firmino than they were in Salah because they know they have Ronaldo who can be the Salah, but they Benzema is, is not a Firmino and Benzema does Firmino is maybe one of the most underrated nines around and he does so much more than just what a have you, typical striker have you ever does. seen a striker track back and make as many tackles as Firmino? I, I don't know what the, if there's a stat in the world for this, but a striker making this many tackles, I've never seen. And you're a stats guy. Yeah, uh, no, not only, not only have we not seen this, but there are plenty of stats to prove it. He covers more ground making tackles from side to side and front to back on the pitch, and he also makes more of them. He is, he is a pest. He is harrowing. He is constantly trying to win the ball back to the point where he almost breaks the scale from a center forward perspective. When you start filtering out players, he shows up more as a midfielder, defensive midfielder type, and, and, and it's fantastic to watch. He's It annoys everyone that plays against him. He's just constantly, constantly, constantly running, and he's going to be a big key. He also leads the league in tooth size. <laughs> so, yeah, so since we do have a forward here with us, uh, so Niall, have you ever played with anybody like that, seen anything like that to that level that's just that annoying? I'll just throw a quick uh, stat I saw on Firmino talk about his uh, He has made more tackles than Mustafi. <laughs> we call that a mic drop. Yeah, I think it, I think it was maybe I saw it like a month ago or something like that that he had made like more tackles than Arsenal centre back. Yeah, that's not shocking. Spent <laughs> much time watching Arsenal play. Which is it's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, he covers an insane amount of ground. He he really works his socks off. I saw the I read Thierry Henry was talking about him during the week saying he just. Uh, He's the most complete striker in the in the league. Um, yeah, he was a winger. Remember when yeah, Liverpool we went to Germany, right? Because Brendan yeah. was playing out of the wing. They're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what they're going to do with him. So, what do you think that like to as you know a team that likes to play from the back? Who Real Madrid do like to take their time and build that play. What does Firmino do to to that back four? So let's look at it from that standpoint a little bit. Um, well, uh, I'm no coach or whatever, but um, I've obviously played quite a bit and then. He never he never gives them a minute, um, so whether they they want to play off from the back, Liverpool are going to hold the high line, you know, they're going to squeeze him, they're going to press him. Firmino is going to cover the ground, and he's going to you know force him to whatever side they, they want really. You know? So you put I would say probably put Varane under the, the most pressure. Uh, he'll probably give the ball away, not as comfortable on the ball as uh, as Ramos, but he just never lets himself into a groove. He's always biting at the heels, always like. Around around them and, and on the other side of things he he links the play up so so good it's 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 almost unreal and for someone who's not he's not a big guy you know he's not like your Harry Kane type striker he's not right like, gonna hold off straight but he does he does he uses his body incredibly well and 
and it's, it's technique and control that bringing Salah and, and, and Mane into the game is he is very very underrated very underrated he improves his finishing at all I'm sorry I'm sure this is painful for you guys to hear, but I've seen him blow like 11 goals this year that looked like that he just had he could have walked in. Where I thought, ah, yeah, here's a goal. No, it's not a goal, and I completely agree. I think that he plays incredibly well in every aspect of the game, and if he cleans his finishing up, I think that he could be, you know, the top striker. Which in is crazy because he already has 24 goals. <laughs> right, and I and even like people were saying the same thing with Sally. You know? Oh, this is so many, season. He misses oh, so many chances. We were all like just doing it. He's doing he our has, head in, right? And he broke the record, you know. So imagine, like, what could he have? Through October, we're all he's doing. It's like if you just convert like maybe yeah. one out of four of these, he's and then all of a sudden they started converting. I think if somebody four. if somebody said, yeah, Firmino is going to score 24 goals this season. Yeah, I would have. I think I would have bit the hand off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it, it's been a surprising season, but you know, enjoyable and so far. I'd, I'd be curious to look at the stats for XG for those guys compared to how many uh, how many actual goals they scored. So it's interesting um, <laughs> because Firmino was actually one of the top one of the top uh, twelve or thirteen players in expected goals and assists. So if you're not familiar, expected goals. Well, with a terrible name, essentially measures how often or how likely a chance is to be converted. And as humans, we tend to think that a goal is more likely than what it actually is. Because kicking a ball with a foot is not the easiest thing in the world. Because huh. you're running fast. <laughs> it makes it even harder. Uh, we will let the player explain why, but it is, it is actually far more challenging than you think. Especially when you have someone who can use their hands trying to stop it. Um, Firmino is very, very good at getting into good spots to miss chances. <laughs> and that's fine, because I'd sure. rather have someone who is getting into good spots to miss chances, because those chances will convert. And as we've seen this year, he's converted more than not. Now, the, the issue with this is soccer is a, a low-scoring, low-event sport. On, on a bad day, if this is one of those Firmino misses, right. a few... There's only one game. There's only 90 minutes to play. This could easily be one where we look back next week as we had 10 beers and said if only Firmino had buried two of those. Well, and it's a completely different story between it doesn't matter if you had 10 XG, which means that you're an incredible player who created all these opportunities and that you uh, made great runs and had great service and did unbelievable things, but if you didn't put any of them in, nobody cares at the end of the day. Uh, but... It's also a rule of small sample size because yeah. you can get better at finishing in, during the offseason. And also, you can get luckier. And so uh, if you create a whole bunch of chances, you're eventually going to score more goals. And uh, I think that if he does have both of those things happen, a little better luck and a little better finishing, the next year he could easily be a guy who scores. I mean, he scored 24 this year. I mean, I, I could completely see him scoring 30 goals next year. If, uh, yeah, if, if you go back just a few if seasons ago, there. Liverpool would have bitten hands off um, yeah. for somebody scoring 24 goals. We oh. were looking, we were just getting in the, the low teens on the two or three players. Well, I think yeah. coming into the season, we were like, Liverpool needs a 20 goal season striker. People always yeah. say that. <laughs> we had him there and he, yeah, he they emerged. They say that, but. <laughs> now, what, what, did, what did Mane score this season? Yeah, 15, 16. In all competitions, I think he's close to 20. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's up there. Yeah, yeah, which is great, but this yeah. is his highest return. <laughs> yeah. you know, that, uh -huh. he's, that he's given, but it's just been overshadowed by 
you know, Salah's doing so well, you know, and, and Bobby's doing so well. Uh, so it kind of overshadows him a little bit. But uh, returning to uh, Firmino, um, we always want players to get in there and get the chances, you know. Yeah, rather get in there and miss a chance than not being there at all, right. you know. Not not creating the space yourself, not like working hard to get the chance, you know. So you always want to be in there creating the chances. And, you know, Klopp has said, oh, he wouldn't trade him, even though, like, the goals he scores, and even me personally, uh, for the work he does and the number of goals, uh, I wouldn't try to work with for more goals. There's all. nobody I've seen recently that I was more happy to see a new five-year contract out of than Bobby. Because, you know, the, the thing that used to infuriate me um, a few seasons ago was watching somebody like uh, Daniel Sturridge, who would lose the ball on top of the 18-yard box. You know, he's getting ready to wind up a, a, a shot, and he'd lose the ball, and... He wouldn't go get it back. Have to look at everybody else. You'd have to go get it back for me. Yep. Whereas if um, when Suarez was at Liverpool or when uh, you know now you got uh, Salah and Mane, if they lose the ball, you go get it back. You're the one that lost. You go get it back. But um, that's the big difference now. Um, Sturridge is not in Liverpool anymore because he didn't show that passion to go get that ball back. And it's funny because Sturridge is one of the guys who overperforms his XG pretty consistently. He's been a great finisher, for lack of a better term, his entire career. And in, including the last cup final Liverpool was in, he had one of the finest strikes of a ball Correct. I've ever seen, and it was all for naught. Yeah. And I'd rather have the guy, personally, and I love Danny, don't get me wrong, I'd rather have the guy who's going to run his socks off, who's going to harass someone. And going back to Andy Robertson, same thing. My, my lasting image of this season will be yes, and in, tracking back, in, in tracking back keeper, against City, pressing, City. Keeper, yeah. pressing Ederson. Ederson. Yeah, it was great. And With, the whole crowd was yeah. losing their mind. It was. It was. It, it didn't was, even mean anything. Other than you just kept doing it. <laughs> Liverpool kind of, already had a lead. It was beautiful. Like that kind of thing just lifts. Everybody, you oh, see it, right. like, even with, with us, like, you know, you see a teammate doing something like that, it just gives this you such a going boost, and you know? going and going. And I'm sure it's like the same, because like, in the stands, you know? it gives you such a boost when you see Yeah, because like the that. chance of Andy Robinson actually picking it off the keeper <laughs> and scoring was it not going to happen. You know? It was the point of it. I am not stopping. Right. I am not going to stop, and it just lifts the whole team. And that's been interesting, and I won't leave this too much on this, but it's been interesting us not having Alana this year, because he was always a guy that keyed the press, it's been so interesting to watch them without them. So, which is crazy. I Because Lorraine was the guy. I can't believe he, I can't believe he was left out of that England squad. Uh, yeah. it's, really, it's really strange. Well, I think the England squad all it's going to take is one inch of knees in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, because he could play a he could play a major part in the squad for him as well. You know, he's because he was Klopp's guy. You know, he was oh. his go-to guy to start the press. You know. And I love Lallana. I think he's a fabulous so footballer. You, you actually teed that up for me pretty well, so thank you, Niall. So um, as we're kind of moving through this, we're going to try to wrap this up here in the next 15 minutes or so. But we've talked about the big names. But, you know, a lot of times when a light shine really bright, there's somebody you don't expect. And I'm going to go to Evan on this first because our resident Real Madrid uh. person, but I'll at least give you your say first. Um, is there anybody from Real Madrid that – you think could be that guy that out of the top three, because we always look at Benzema, Bell, and Ronaldo, mm-hmm. is there somebody that you see that could be the difference maker that we haven't really touched on? Because I know us Liverpool supporters have all of our guys that we love, right? We got our guy, right? And every time he touches the ball, we're like, yeah, hey, it's my guy. It's my. 
But from Real Madrid, who should we be looking at? I think that first you got to count on the consistency of Tony Cruz. I think that okay. uh, he can control midfield in a way that I don't think that anybody on Liverpool can. I think that if he's having a great game, I don't think that Liverpool has a real answer for him at midfield. I think they. I'm not in any way denigrating Liverpool. Sure. I just think Tony Cruz is world class. It's a Champions League and final. That, that's uh, good. And that he uh, that he is perhaps has perhaps has the best chance of being able to be the the distributor who makes the biggest difference. But I think that if you're talking about pure attacking and who might make a difference and score a goal that not everybody's seeing coming from those big three, I think you got to watch out for Isco in this game. I think that Isco is, is, is a scary player because so much attention is going to have to be paid to the three that we're talking about. Because chances are you guys are going to try that Liverpool is going to try to bracket Ronaldo, and that means you're committing a holding midfielder to play defense against him along with the fullback. You're going to trust that Van Dijk is going to be able to hold down whatever striker they throw at you, whether it's Bale or whether it's Benzema. And then that means that you're going to have uh, Alexander-Arnold out a lot of times on an island out there against either Casem- uh, uh, not Casemiro, it's... Um, uh, it's Isco or Asensio, and uh, those two guys out there are going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities against a 19-year-old uh, defenseman, and that means that's scary to me if I'm a Liverpool fan. So I think that Isco is a name to watch for getting a goal, finding a way to make a big play, mm-hmm. and uh, that's who I would be concerned about if I was a Liverpool fan. Guys? For me, it's uh, Asensio. He seems to be Zidane's go-to player like for me. I'm doubting if, if Bale plays and um, if he starts to sure. be honest. I think um, uh, he struggled this year. It hasn't been same with Benzema as well. You know, it hasn't been the greatest year for him either. But um, Zidane seems to have a lot of trust in Asensio, and he's he's a player with a lot of quality. Um, so he would be the one for me that I think aside from you know your main your main traits. I think touching on what what you talked about the midfield, I think they are far far more superior than us in the in the middle of the park with Modric and Casemiro and Cruz. It's um, they're so much technically better than what we have with Milner, Henderson, and and Wijnaldum. It looks like it's going to be you know so. And if if they work right, you know, and, and they can keep pressing the, them lads and you know, they do a job on them, but I think um, essential is is the man. I wouldn't sell Henderson short though. He's He's had a good. He's been he's been in, good. It's just season. there's so so much technically so much more. Yeah, yeah more I don't think there's it. any doubt when you talk about the midfields who you think is better. It's it's clearly Real Madrid's midfield. And, and Liverpool's even though Liverpool's attack. massively overperformed what I think you probably would have hoped for at the beginning sure. of the yeah. year when you said these are the three you're going to run out there. I think that Shep is completely right that. Uh, I think that Henderson, Robertson, and Milner have all played really well this year, and uh, that they can be super proud of how they've played. It's just that, you know, this is the Galacticos. They're not they're not running out there, you know, three guys that they thought might turn out good. They bought the three best players they could, and they're all still really good. And for Liverpool, who's the who's the guy you think that might be somebody that we haven't talked about? The front three are always going to get the highlights and all that stuff. Who's the one that you see stepping forward that might be the difference maker in this game? I like Niall's comment about time for Virgil to stand up. You know, he could he could come through with a could cement the status three headers. You know, whatever. Who knows? Could I think? 
Liverpool's options on the bench are very, very limited at the minute. And like we're, we were bringing on uh, like Solanke and stuff like that. Solanke and Lallana and maybe Adams. And then that's, like that's really it. That's, that's what we are. I think Lallana is the... Uh, aside from their main, obviously, goal threats and stuff like that, I think Lallana could be one who could potentially change change the game. you you got to give some credit to Ginny Wijnaldum. Um, he's got a great chant, by the he's way. Got a, Ginny Wijnaldum is great to sing. <laughs> he, he also has an opportunity to prove himself. He's kind of been the unheralded midfielder out of out of this band. You know, we've talked about James Miller getting the assist record. We've talked about Jordan Henderson being so key, and I think a lot of Liverpool's fortunes will rely with them. But how Wijnaldum handles being matched up against world-class talent will be key. Wijnaldum doesn't do a lot that shows up in just counting stats, but he does so much that seems so important. I mean, right. his first away goal for like two, three years was... That's all you need. Yeah, was in Roma. You know, I'd like to see, can he progress the ball into dangerous positions? Can he keep his running? Can he keep his tackling up? Is he able to sustain that for, for the intensity that a Champions League final is going to require? And so for me, he's someone that I'm going to circle and say, if he has a good game, I feel very confident that Liverpool will, will be there at the death. And if he struggles, man, Henderson's going to be under a lot of pressure. That's a good point because in our Champions League run, when we haven't mentioned his name yet, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was a huge impact to the Such team. Such a loss. And Wijnaldum may have, may be the player that takes the, the more attacking of the three midfielders that role, and he, you know, how he surges with the ball and what he does up the pitch might, might be the difference in the game. Kind of one of our last-minute substitutions here is Patrick showed up. So, Patrick, uh, your thoughts on maybe who could be a difference maker in this match that we haven't thought about? Uh, just to touch quickly on what you were saying before, and I'm sorry I'm late, uh, I think the difference between Ox and Genie doesn't uh, fare poorly for this match because I think defensive mindset is something we have to have in mind. And uh, certainly Ox in the final third has been amazing for us this uh, The Man campaign. City strike was one of the best strikes in the championship this mm-hmm. year. Absolutely. Um, but I think that, um, and you may have touched on this already, the single it. matchup between what I expect to be Ronaldo and uh, Alexander-Arnold could be the difference maker in the game. I think he could define himself as a world-class defender if he can put him in his pocket. Um, and I think that moment, time and time again, will clearly define kind of how we fare in the end result. And so if, uh, if we go 10 guys neutral across the board, but Alexander-Arnold does well, what I think will be matched up against Ronaldo, I think we'll do really well in this match. I think what you're saying about Ronaldo is, is, is spot on because with players like Modric and, and Cruz, their passing percentages are always like 94%, you know, you're going to need to disrupt that. Uh, and someone like Ronaldo right, and Henderson, those are a million of those types of players that can, that can really disrupt that and get them out of the flow and get them out of their rhythm. And I think that could be an important piece to it. I think our front three will be a handful, and, and they always certainly prove to be the case. Um, in a match I expect to be 4-3, 4-2 on either side, it's about converting your chances, making the most of them, and then honestly minimizing the ones on the opposite side. And so expect a very offensive game front to back on both sides, um, and then uh, I, I hope a couple of our guys in the back 
eliminate enough of those chances to give us a real chance to win. So uh, kind of as we're, we're heading towards the end of this, I, one thing we haven't really touched on too much, we talked about whether it's been a one-off match, whether we preferred playing them one-off or home and away. Now we're down to the managers, Klopp and Zidane. So Zidane could be the first manager ever to win three Champions Leagues in a row as a manager. And Klopp has been rough in the finals. However, with a one-off, he may have the team he finally wanted with all the speed. So as you're looking at this, you got to give it to Zidane at least for um, confidence and swagger. But with this heavy metal, gagging, pressing, high-energy football, who, who would you trust more in this game? Crickets. Wow. <laughs> and this is obviously a Liverpool podcast. Yeah. As, as a non-fan of either team, and as a fan of a team that, you know, was in need of a manager, <clears throat> finger out, um, I'll say that if I got to pick a manager between the two of them, I think that they are both ideally designed for the teams that they've got. I agree with that. Uh, I would rather, I would rather, if I was starting a team from scratch in a minute, I would rather have Jurgen Klopp than Zinedine Zidane. But if I am going to have a team of massive egos, massive salaries, massive expectations, give me Zinedine Zidane because he gets it, and because every player there, regardless of whether they're winning or losing, has to respect him, or he'll headbutt them. Um, but if you uh, if you just are picking between the two, I think that they're both ideal for the teams they've got. I would rather have Klopp to start my team. I'd rather have Zidane to put the finishing touches on a uh, on a masterpiece. I would like to see Zidane at a different team. I feel like managing that team is not very difficult. <laughs> fair point. That's fair point. Well, speaking of you know, if you if you look at the two managers, Zidane. He inherited that team. He really hasn't put much on it. Where Klopp, he's created that team basically from scratch. He got what he was given when he, he signed on, and he's molded that team into what he wants it to be. So um, I'm confident that, uh, that Klopp on a day is going to get it. You know, um, and I think from the um, the press releases over the last few days, you know, Zidane he's worried about Liverpool, and a lot of the the team are worried about Liverpool. So, um, bring on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, the difference, and we haven't really touched on this too much as far as stats go, but the difference between the two managers and the style they play is Jurgen Klopp, his teams cover a lot of ground. And I want to say it's close to 120 kilometers a game that they average. It might be 118 or something. And Real Madrid is somewhere around 110. So Liverpool are much more set up to, to run, be able to run Real Madrid into the ground now, the one curveball that's thrown into this is the fact that Ramadan is currently ongoing, and Sayo Mane and Mo Salah are both Muslim, and I don't know how their training changes when they can't eat during the day, but that may have a big impact. That, that could be the, a fair point. the standout player in the Champions League final could be the time of the year and the fact that they can't train normally. I hope it's not, but it could I think that your point is is well taken that uh, Liverpool runs a lot more. I think though that again that's that's playing to the team's strengths. I think that Zidane gets a bad rap as being a poor tactical manager. I don't think that I think it's a lot like what Nile says is that he doesn't have to be a great tactical manager. He's got the better players, right. and part of having the better players 
sometimes means you don't have to come up with the most complicated system. Sometimes one yeah, plus right. one is two. You've got the better player. Give him the ball. Give him some space and let him go to work. And so uh, they're really they're not going to build fancily. They're not going to play perfect balls every time. They don't have to. They've got guys who can go get it. They've got guys who can beat you one-on-one. And he trusts that they're going to do that. And it's worked to the tune of two titles. So, I mean, you can say that it doesn't take much to manage that team, but I think that the biggest part of managing a team like that is managing the personalities more than it is managing the field. Because when Kareem Benzema decides that, you know, he got three less touches than he should have, then you don't want him, you know, blowing up. And when Ronaldo says that you didn't win the Ballon d'Or this year because you ran through the left side too much, then he's going to blow up. And that's the difficult part of managing that team, not getting the most out of him. Getting the most out of him is by saying the goal is that way. And uh, and Zinedine Zidane knows where the goal is, and he also knows that his name is big enough that they can't disrespect him. Yeah, he's well respected. So that's that's my two cents on Zidane as a manager. He's not going to beat Klopp's tactics. He trusts that his players are going to beat Klopp's players. And, yeah. and when you got just because you have talent, you can have the best talent in the world still to win to go all the way and win that last game. Two years in a row is still as impressive. I don't care who you are, man. Without That's question. Impressive. Without question. All right, so I've kind of navigated us through the waters here, of, I think front to back on this thing. I will put it out there because it's a steamed panel that we have in front of us. Any other news or notes or things that you guys would like to touch on about this that I've left off the table? Uh, by and large, to my man in purple down there at the end of the table, I back it on to Arsenal. I'm comfortable with that. I'm looking for a very competitive final, something that goes uh, end to end all the way through. And, and to somewhat Chaz's point, I'm hoping that the difference in legs, uh, maybe an additional week's rest uh, comes into play a little bit because Madrid really didn't take advantage of that. I think like I expected them to. And uh, hopefully we come out, have a good effort on the front foot. So I'm looking for yeah. I'll do match predictions in just a second. Uh, Niall, from your side, from a player standpoint, is there something we're not thinking about that we've left off the table here? We went in depth a lot uh, tonight. I'm trying to think. So how, how um, coming into this game, if you, you've you had a few really important games the end of last season, you got the playoffs and you, you, you went through to the final and we won the final, how do you prepare for a game like this? I think... It sounds like trivial and, and, and boring, but they, it's it's just another game. That's like when we were going all last year, it was just the next game. Yeah, because you know I'm looking at uh, Alexander Arnold and uh, some of the guys on here that, that have never been on a stage like this before. And, you know how are they going to cope with it? That's the thing. It's you're going to have nerves. You're, like you're going to, especially like with Arnold and uh, this Liverpool team and stuff. It's most of players' first time. Being in a situation like this where it's a big prize on the line, whereas on your side you've got players who've been in multiple finals, World Cup finals, Champions League finals, and they've won it all, you know. Um, so it will be very new to the Liverpool squad. Uh, that's what uh, I read Alonso, Xavi Alonso was talking about uh, today, I believe. It's that it's, it's very new for Liverpool and they're going to have to find a way to manage their emotions and just you know play the game the way they know it to play. And I think what manager like Klopp, he he will allow him to do that. He's I think he's a very good man manager and he'll allow him to be brave. What we talked about earlier on is being brave and, and, and really sticking to their game plan and playing football. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for an entertaining game. Yeah, and, and one one thing that we really have not talked 
about at all, all the way through this, is the 12th man. Oh. I think the Liverpool 12th man is far superior to any other 12th man in any other team. And I think if um, Liverpool's 12th man, um, being the Liverpool support, shows up in Kiev and gets behind the team, that's enough to intimidate anybody. And Liverpool has a history of major comebacks. So even if they get down in this match, they won't count themselves out. They did it against Dortmund. They did it in the Champions League final in Istanbul. I don't think Steven Gerrard's going to play that. <laughs> if, no, he does, like the, if he does, I like Mane. If he does, I like Salah. We've got Firmino. <laughs> but, it, but it's <laughs> Liverpool no bullies, though. No they one knew Alonso was Alonso. That's no true. one knew that he was that quality of player. And so I'd, I'd say similar to Istanbul, when you saw those two teams line up side by side, you didn't give Liverpool a chance. That's actually that, a, really, that's that's a, a fair Milan comparison. Team, bloody hell. Every, oh, time, yes. every time I look at that Milan team, mm-hmm. and I saw uh, today was uh, Pirlo's uh, testimonial game, and I was looking at the squad uh, that he had on his day. Like, that squad, like, had Kaka, like, Pirlo, Gattuso, Sado, yeah. <laughs> like, Cafu, Maldini, Yapstan. Hand-picked. Like, Front to back. You would go a long way for a better squad than that, you know? Were those guys good? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I even go as far as to say, if those that, that group of players would play in the World Cup, they'd probably win it. You know, I, I think that any one of the teams from the Champions League would win the World Cup given the opportunity. They just play together more. They just play together more. True. We had Igor Viscon, though. I mean, we... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is a, it's a time for unsung heroes, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, like Steve Finnan and, uh, yeah, and Stevie Hammond came yeah, in yeah, and done yeah. a great job on Kaka in the second, Absolutely. In the second half of that game. And Absolutely. so... It, Champions League final, it's a time for heroes, you know. Yeah, I knew the thought that Vladimir Schmitz was actually going to score a goal. And Gerard scored a header from outside the box, it's which is not insane. possible. Well, Liverpool's had one of the greatest records in international football of any club in history, and yet I'm sitting here thinking they have an amazing history. Real Madrid's is better. Yeah, it just won. is. It's yeah, a, it, this, is it, this is a ridiculous. This is a ridiculous embarrassment of riches in terms of a game. And I'm going to piss off an awful lot of Real Madrid fans right now because yeah, Real Madrid have um, you know they they've won an awful lot more Champions Leagues, but for their league to qualify for the Champions League is so much easier than winning the, in the Premier League. You know, there's any one of eight teams in the Premier League that can make the Champions League. Really? Where really, in, in Spain, there's only two teams in it. You know, every, every single year, Real Madrid, Barcelona, put them in. You know? And to take a, a, a grossly regional view of the game, if you were to take it in an American context, to where, like, we love college basketball here, and the NBA is still a fantastic league in a world basis, over seven games, the best team wins the NBA championship. Over one game through a tournament structure, the NCAA is a more exciting mm-hmm. tournament. And so one match, neutral site. Is it youth? Is it experience? Is it quality? Is it, uh, I mean, uh, it's a one-man show. It's who shows up on Saturday for two hours and just puts their full shift in. Um, I will I, say I think this. we're matched up well. One thing we haven't talked about a lot is the history of these two teams. Just enjoy a final with 17 yeah. Yeah, exactly. different 
Champions League titles between them or European Cups between them. Like, you are talking about the absolute bluest of bloods here. Loyalty. Yeah, this is royalty. This is fun. This is what it's about. There's no underdog here in the grand scheme of things. This is this is the richest and the the best of the teams competing for a one-off for the richest and best cup of them all. Like, just have fun with this because it's... I'm going to be a nervous wreck. I'm going to be sick to my stomach from about Friday at work on. But it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Good games. And I, I <laughs> you know, I I think talking earlier about the managers, they're both going to make it an, an attacking game. I think Madrid's been open enough this year to make it attacking. I don't think it'll be a dull game. I don't know that Jurgen Klopp knows how to play a dull game. So it's gonna be fun. Enjoy the enjoy the, the the richness of it because this is this is gonna be one that you look back on in ten years and say, yeah, I remember where I was. Yeah, so I think that's actually the real reason for this podcast. One was to just kind of introduce people that are casual fans that are supporters of Scouts House and Global City FC and make their way through us to understand what this game is on a global scale. So thanks to everybody for that. Now it's the time where I all have to take account. For the question getter to ask. Moving from left to right, Shep, match prediction. 3 3 at full time, 4 3 oh, Liverpool. I like it. Austin? 2 2 Madrid and penalties. Oh, I hate this. I think, I think we edge it, Liverpool, uh, 3 2 in regulation. Not fully introduced early because he came in late from the match. Sometimes the subs don't get a lot of attention, but uh, Patrick Gregory. super sub. That's right. Patrick Gregory. Patrick Gregory stepping in. Where's your prediction, buddy? On a per-minute basis, he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say 4-2. I like Liverpool. I don't think the match goes into extra time, um, and I think that's less on Zidane than it is Klopp. I think the match finishes in 90 minutes. I concur. I think it's going to be uh, a 90-minute match, and uh, being a true Liverpool fan, um, I'm going to actually go 4-3 on this one. I think there's going to be goals. I think goals will be there. Niall? 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 Liverpool. In the 90. In the 90. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Love it. Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Evan, you Real Madrid support. I mean, Arsenal. Uh, Give it to us. Um, my initial thought was going to be 2-2 Madrid and penalties, but I have, in the last two days, decided that I really don't think that um, Madrid belongs here this year. I don't think I think they they got here on uh, on smoke and mirrors, and I think it's a 4-1 drubbing for Liverpool. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Wow, the strong him. <laughs> Bring it. That's, yeah, because you put yourself out there a lot, brother. So that's I'm fine with that. And you and I will be putting ourselves out there tomorrow for our Scouse House podcast of In the House tomorrow night. Um, so hopefully we'll get this up. Wait, Kenny, Kenny. What's your, your prediction? Come on now, Kenny. Hey. You can't get off. Hey. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the one writing the story. Wait for the finish. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone for jumping on the podcast tonight. It was great. Uh, thank you all for taking the time out of it. I have a 4-2 win as well for Liverpool. Uh Thank you to Mon Lones for us this night. Patrick Gregory, you've got a lot of stuff going on over at Melwood Tavern as well. Uh, great supporter of Little City FC, so we appreciate all that. And uh, we'll have a party down here. I know Saturday Scouts, you want to add to that? 
Yeah, um, what I want to do is, uh, for those uh, people out there that um, are kind of uh, new to the game, if you want to come out and feel a passion, get out to Molly Malone's on Saturday. We'll be here from 1 o'clock to watch the game. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be in much of a shape to uh, drive to Cincinnati to watch uh, <laughs> Nile play up there. I'm going to throw him in will, the back of my car. Don't worry about it. He'll be there. Um, now, you know, we'll see. But... Um, there's so many great bars around town to watch this game. There's no excuse you can't get out here to watch and experience the passion that we have for this game. There's Molly Malone's, and I'm going to hand it over to, to Patrick because um, I met Patrick right in here, and over the last few years, me and Patrick have become really good friends, and now Patrick has got an awesome place of his own because not only can you go to these bars and you can ask to watch a game and these people would be glad to put any game on the TV for you. Scouse and I met here at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, on a Liverpool introduction and um, I will tell you back in the day there is no bigger supporter of football in this community than Molly Malone's and so I am still a full supporter of Molly Malone's. Um, there are great places to watch the match and I think that football is better with friends and so find a friend, find a good TV to sit in front of, uh, have a few pints if that's your style, and it's certainly mine, um, and, uh, and, and pick your team. I think everyone should wear red on Saturday. That's Absolutely. That's the color of the day. Yep. Um, I'm going to wear purple. I'll <laughs> switch to purple at about 5.30. And, uh, so now, are you going to be wearing a Liverpool shirt on, underneath? Your loop City shirt on Saturday? Let's see, huh? Depends on the result, huh? Depends on the result. Excellent. Well, once again, thanks everybody for listening. I hope this gave you a little clue into the magnitude of the match on Saturday. It's going to be no better pageantry than two of the most storied teams in the history of European football playing. And uh, we hope to see you guys out here on Saturday or uh, listen to this podcast and reaching back out to us. Have a great evening.